appreciate y'all joining this episode of Stuck in Middle Podcast. We are back uh, remotely for this one because it's special. On today's show, we are talking with a creator, the creator of Living African Podcast. That's right, Living with an L-I-V-I-N-G. Uh, while a lot of Africans living in the diaspora and at home want to leave the continent or leave the diaspora, return home, depending on where your current situation in life is, the truth of the matter is that living as an African is certainly an experience on its own with most of us being able to relate, uh, depending on how our upbringing was. Um, Anyoy is no stranger to that experience, which is why she is using her platform, Leaving African po- uh, Podcast, to challenge some of those norms and practices that have shaped us for the better or for the worse. Uh, Anyoy Fonbad is a pharmacist. She's a health economist. And most importantly, she's an African woman who is dedicated to speaking and sparking hard conversations that challenge questions, cultural and societal norms, which threaten our well-being, especially as this generation of Africans. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation. I know if I'm about welcome to Stuck in Middle Podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a, that was one it's, heck of an intro. <laughs> yeah, one take, Jake. Uh, it's, a, it's a bummer that we're not able to do it in the studio. I was really looking forward to treating our audiences, but technology is a blessing, and we're going to use what we have to create magic here today. How are you doing? How are you doing, by the way? How's your mental I health? How doing, are you today? I am doing wonderful. Um, it's the start of a new week. <laughs> yeah. Things are getting busier as the time goes by, but I am blessed and I can't complain. And how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I would say, you know, the week is, it, it seems like it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one, but I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I wanted to dive right into it. What the heck is a health economist? <laughs> So basically, a health economist is someone that keeps the money in your pocket and saves you costs from healthcare. So we all know, obviously, that um, the highest um, expenditure, especially in the U.S. and maybe even in the world, it's on healthcare. And so health economics just involves looking for ways that um, save costs, healthcare costs, and also improves access to healthcare. Mm-hmm for um, the people, the marginalized disparities that don't have that access and also improve health outcomes. So, of course, if you don't have to pay as much money on healthcare services and if you have easy access to healthcare, then you will definitely save money and your health outcomes will be improved. So that's physically you know that in a nutshell <laughs> so real quick i know we're not here to talk about you know health economy but with such a degree or whatever it is as a health economist what do you you work directly for the the consumer being the everyday person who's needing health services and health insurance or you work with the hospitals where do you fall? Um, you, you work with, it depends. Like it's a very broad field, right? And mm. um, you do a lot of things depending on what degree you have. So I have a master's in health economics. So I can do a whole lot, especially um, health economists are mostly um useful in the pharmaceutical industries and also depending, and that also depends on the health system. Like here in America with our health system, you are with involved in pharmacy benefit benefit management, which is basically um, trying to minimize the cost of drugs mm-hmm. and improve health outcomes. So you can actually, um, as a health professional, a health economics professional, demonstrate the value proposition of this um, pharmaceutical products to healthcare providers so that they can use the most optimal medication for their patients at the lowest cost. So you mentioned you from Cameroon. 
Oh yeah, I am. Uh, how many <laughs> siblings do you have? I have three siblings, two girls. What do you, siblings, what do so. you fall? You the middle, first child? Yeah, I'm second. <laughs> oh, so what part of Cameroon? Last girl. I'm actually from Bamenda, Northwest Province. Shout out, Bamenda, good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, when did you move I, to the states? My parents have lived. Well, I moved about fifteen years ago, but um, my parent, my my mom especially, she's lived out of the country because she works. For, she's a medical doctor in the United mm-hmm. Nations, and she's lived out of the country probably for many more years than mm-hmm. she's in Cameroon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right now, we live in Ethiopia, and we've lived in Ethiopia for about sixteen years right now. So you in Ethiopia right now. Uh, no, I'm in Texas. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Texas, Texas, Texas. <laughs> if I had a dollar every time somebody thought I was Ethiopian, I'd be Elon Musk, right? Oh, right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. You actually <laughs> look Ethiopian. You, you look so like good. a your brother. <laughs> Lenetish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your story, though? What's your story? Like, how did you, you know, I know you, you uh, immigrant, first generation immigrant, I don't know, uh, depending on how you, when your mom and dad moved here, but what's your story? Like, how did you come to be, I know, from about who you are today? Oh my goodness. Uh, my story has definitely not been uh, who I am today or where I am was not planned at all. Mm. I don't even know. Like, I mean, you know, growing up in, in Africa, our parents actually, um, you know, they let us, gave us that freedom to choose whatever we wanted to be. Of mm. course, with a little bit of sense, because I mean, growing up in Cameroon without that foundation, you don't want to be a dancer or you don't want to be a, you know, like a a singer per se, because it's mm. not, it wasn't something that was- I didn't uh, look the part, as I say. Yeah, 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 it wasn't something that, you know, there weren't even services to encourage that kind of dream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though actually I wanted to be a dancer. <laughs> yeah. Depends what kind of dance, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. <laughs> That's funny. But um, at least our parents gave us that exposure. You know, we always went to like seminars, music seminars. We learned, we had music instruments at home the piano and you know we 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 really try to explore different things from our skills we even went to like hair cl- do classes we learned mm-hmm. how to sew we learned how to play tennis and everything but my parents actually is science-based my family is science-based and um my mom is a medical doctor as i told you and my dad actually was a phd uh researcher so mm-hmm. automatically you know children always want to be what their parents are they're always inspired by their parents so we were kind of indirectly uh cautioned not not cautioned but trained in that field not that they intentionally did that but just from us watching them so when i moved to america after high school i actually wanted to be a pharmacist i knew i wanted to be a pharmacist i knew i didn't want to be a doctor unlike my sister because i just could not stand blood Mm. so um (laughs) Yeah, I I became a pharmacist about six years ago, and um, I knew for sure I did not want to. I kind of knew what I did not want, but I probably did not know what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to be a retail pharmacist. I have mad respect for them, you know, but I just felt like it wasn't for me. I wasn't built for that. So I decided to go into um, managed care, which at that time wasn't really as popular in pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. And I actually experienced that through rotation and managed care was something that, which is also synonymous to pharmacy benefit management. And that includes, you know, um, just looking for ways to save costs of healthcare and improve outcomes. And that's where I was introduced to health economics. So um, down the road, when I was working as a pharmacist, I went back to school full time. 
time to pursue a master's in science and health economics. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I had already achieved a, a master's and MBA with mm -hmm. my PharmD degree. Um, so it really came all around full circle, especially considering my story and how we far I've come, you know, coming from Africa, access to healthcare is a very big concern and issue yeah. since when yeah. we were younger till now, you know, and that also has to do with the lack of affordability. So all those things, you know, at least, even though I'm not in Africa, if I am in America and I'm able to, um, look for ways that other people in my community could save costs and improve the outcomes of their healthcare, then um, at least that brought me fulfillment. So that's where I am right now. And that's professionally, but I kind of say I do that to the site because I basically am kind of more focused like on my own personal goals, my own personal dreams, which had always been to like create a platform where I can impact my own community where I come from, at least even with the distance so mm -hmm. excuse me even with the distance so with the podcast um i feel like i can impact a lot of people have a broader outreach to really bring up these topics that are usually otherwise swept under the rug for mm -hmm. us to have that conversation you know they're uncomfortable conversations they're hard conversations but i want us to have these conversations and spark this you know discussions among our communities and our circles and just do better by each other hmm. how long have you had that urge how long if how long has has that been a thing where you where you like you we have to have these conversations this is the thing that's plaguing our society and you know somebody has to step up and create these platforms to to, to bring change right so actually i i had that revelation of creating a uh, a podcast last year but i've always had that urge you know because i always have these conversations i always have this discussions even with my parents my siblings my friends you know uh, my mom has traveled so to so many I, i mean she's traveled to almost every continent in the world you know through work and she has had that exposure and had a lot of experience seeing people suffering seeing you know dealing with this um the disparities that mm -hmm. have several communities so we always have these meaningful conversations especially at home and we always hear these stories i mean you go to social media you see almost every day there's a story of either domestic abuse victim that's dying or people committing suicide like this just so once a day but that is we don't even have to look far away there's so much around us that we have to talk about so i mean we have these discussions loosely but i wanted to really cre create a platform where we can actually come together and have these discussions in a meaningful way and not loosely you know and this is something that will hopefully stay on online for a very mm -hmm. long time where people can always come back to have access to it mm -hmm. and, and had four episodes well five episodes but um there's actually more to come yeah i was gonna ask uh and is that why you know you, you chose a, a podcast the medium to drive these conversations to being able to house house it as quote unquote an archive where people can revisit did you think of any other ways by which you can host this this conversations these discussions yes definitely i mean right now i'm working on my youtube channel which um i eventually want to also release the videos and i, I mean i have I, i have a couple of dreams which of course will be unraveled with time it's everything is a slow process so um i want to do like live videos as well i even want to eventually 
um, come up with, and this is not, hopefully, knock on wood, nothing happens, you know, to interrupt that, but, you know, even have like conferences and have talks and even, I mean, eventually with the growth of my platform, um, if I could potentially even be a speaker at different occasions, you know, and mm -hmm. just expand my outreach, that will be something that I definitely look forward to. Curious, why the name Living Africa, L-I-V-I-N-G, Living Africa? Right, right. So, um, you know, the original name for this podcast, it was supposed to be This African Life. Hmm. That was the original name. And um, so I, I don't know if you know the podcast, This American Life. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's on their um, serial yes and, yeah and they have all these discussions just stories about people in america so i wanted it to reflect this america this african life but unfortunately that was actually taken and um that was a huge bummer and i was mm. like i wanted something that reflects um just life in africa regardless mm. of where it is at home or in the diaspora like life that africans actually experience you know i mean our story is very unique you know, especially the Africans in America, you know, we experience, we have the African-American experience in America, or at least in the, in the West. And then we actually have that experience because when someone sees us walking on the road, they don't look at us as an African, right? They, they look mm -hmm. at us as a black person, which right. you know, is African-American. So, um, we have both experiences so i really wanted to highlight use that experience uh, use that platform to highlight all the experiences that we have as, but giving that you know spotlight to the experiences in within our community in africa especially because that's where our foundation was built mm. uh what what challenges did you did you run into as far as like getting off the ground you know what i mean like you mentioned it was it was it was a dream from last year what challenges did you did you if any running to getting it off the ground yeah um as you know i'm still a baby in this podcast game and yeah. <laughs> it was such a huge challenge honestly i mean i'm the kind of person that when i'm doing something if it's not if i don't connect with something i won't do it number one mm. and if I don't connect with the process i will not do it and it I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, which is good and not too good because it's like some people just start and then they polish up with time. But I usually want to take that time to polish 90% of the things that I want to do before I start. You know what right. I mean? And, mm -hmm. You know, that means putting a lot of pressure on myself and like having sleepless nights. So there were a lot of challenges. Um, but I, what I did, the first thing I did was I know I was coming to this game as a new person. So I took a couple of classes. I went to Udemy. I took how to, you know, start a podcast, hey. <laughs> I took how to edit a podcast, you know, but eventually I, I took a, a whole academy, a whole course series of courses with this guy. Um, and actually it was very helpful because he went in depth on like, you know, what happens behind the scenes and how mm -hmm. to plan, like basically giving a, a guideline from like the launch day till, you know, subsequent days and subsequent episodes and how to structure everything. And then, um, I mean, I, I didn't really want to put too much, too much pressure on me because I look at this as well as an investment because I hope that someday I kind of monetize it and start, mm -hmm. you know, having, when I have a broader platform. And so I actually 
work with a production team that I pay and they produce my podcast for me, mm-hmm. which makes life extremely easy because I have other projects. This is not the only thing that I'm doing, actually. I mean, in addition to my full-time job, I have about three other projects which I'm working on and I will release them with time. But um, there's still, you know, a lot of issues that I have and stuff like that. Man, listen, if y'all listening, you know, just take notes, get educated and find a team. She's doing it the right way. You heard she is doing it the right way. I want to get into it because, you know, it's like no time to waste people. Uh, your podcast is, is, is very, very needed. It's very, very needed. And you mentioned earlier uh, that your parents were kind of like, I'm going to city anomaly, letting y'all be free, which is a dope thing. Did you see in your community growing up both back home here in the diaspora where, you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the, the, the way other people raise their kids in, you know, giving them that freedom. And how did, how did that shape your understanding of society and, and who you are today and who and how you felt about the situation then? Oh my goodness. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, when I grew up, the environment that I grew up, um, it was actually in a small village and that's just because um we we went there because my dad it was a research center right mm-hmm. so my dad was working there and we had to stay there for a few years but um you know i i could already tell that we were different you know mm-hmm. not necessarily in class per se because actually our house was open to everybody mm-hmm. like people in the village the members of the everybody loved my mom i mean we always make fun of my mom telling her that she's miss charity because every single person loved my mother my parents like even at church we were very active like my parents started by making sure that we were like humility was instilled in us mm-hmm. number one so we did not really look ourselves as different in terms of class, but I definitely knew that my parents were not like raising us the same as my, the other people I knew. And I really had this realization when we went to boarding school, you know, with boarding school, you have a bigger exposure. You, you yeah. learn about your friends and you learn about their upbringing and then you go visit them and you see certain things. So, um, yeah, I mean the stories my friends told me. I mean, you would you you would see friends like you know, they talking about like how their parents discipline them, or you know when you know you go to visit your friend and it's like when their parents come, it's like everyone is running away and everyone is like just fixing everything and stuff. Like, I mean, it's like their parents literally scared them away, you know. But that was never really the case with my parents and. I mean, I have seen, I can never forget. This was actually when I was in primary school, like one of my friends, she was with, she was living with her parents, well, her aunt actually. And I don't know what she did. She did something very minor and her aunt came and got her well beaten, like mm. in front of me. That mm. traumatized me. I can never forget. Like I can never forget that memory, mm. mm-hmm. you know? And it just made me wonder like, why, why are these parents always yelling at their kids? Why are these parents always beating their kids? Like, I just, I knew we were different because I could not relate to that, but that did not mean that we were not getting disciplined. I mean, my parents actually disciplined us. And back then I kind of low key envied my friends (laughs) who were, you know, beaten because I'm like, oh yeah, you just get a whooping and that's it. But like my parents, they always seemed to drag their own discipline, which was so annoying. And we had to tell them eventually because they make you sit down, think about what you did and tell them (laughs) what you did 
and if you understand why it was wrong and what you can do to change it so that's how the whole class and i'm like oh my goodness like this is so annoying and just whoop me and cut to the chase and let's be done with this you know but as i have grown up I came to realize that this discussions this these things were always very important you know and they have molded me to how I see life because it's not just about disciplining the child the child would just know that oh yeah I can do anything and I would just be bitten and that's it you mm. know and also even when we had family members come home and they were trying to do a few things to us like like I told my mom like one day like when I started rich hitting my puberty my auntie pulled me to the corner and she was like oh yeah I have to pound your breast because if I pound your breast it's going to your breast get bigger like my children's and I'm like no go mm. ask my mother I'm like that's not true right away but go ask my mother if you want to do it and that's where the discussion ended you know mm -hmm. so my my parents actually encouraged us to be very vocal and not to be afraid of anybody you know mm -hmm. because and they made sure that they knew us and we knew them so I I definitely know that my mom would not be okay with this so go ask her if she's okay with that then I'm okay with that yeah. but I definitely knew and that's you know most of my aunties especially were not always comfortable with that they always talk thought you know especially me they thought i was very vocal and very you know they consider it bold or disrespectful but that's just how my parents encouraged us to talk and that and that that's in the you know in the topic of communication in the african house so which is episode three and four i believe in you know your your, your podcast right now talk about that man because i'll be honest to say i don't have the best of communications uh when it comes to you know my relationship with some of my elders <laughs> you know what i mean like family members uh how do we how do we how do we tackle that how do we address that you know even just going back to your aunt and make you know what i'm saying like have that understanding like yo i can i can come to you auntie with cer certain topics or i can come to you mom or dad and we just have a conversation as an adult and a, a child mom and dad mom mom and daughter father and son you know saying like communication within the african house so how do we how do we address that because it's not the best for most yeah. people yeah it's not the best so um you know in in an african household right the adult in that communicate in that you know in that scenario has to encourage that communication right mm -hmm. um in my own case when my parents had those discussions with us they always gave us the floor to express ourselves they asked us like is there anything that you want to talk about is there anything that you feel which i did or which i said which wasn't right or which hurt your feelings that you want to express yourself about mm -hmm. so when an adult encourages that that two-way communication then makes it easier for the child to communicate, right? So because the child at that point is a more vulnerable population. So I feel like that communication has to start with the adult and then goes to the child. So if you grew up in an environment where you were encouraged to speak up, then maybe your communication will be better than it already is, which I think you, you're pretty good at communicating, but just this is just an ideal hypothetical situation, you know? But if a child grew up in an environment that he or she has always been suppressed, then mm -hmm. even when they have the floor, to communicate they will not be able to communicate and that's what we're gonna see in my next episode coming up about rape the rape culture which is dropping on wednesday um i mean this girl was very much suppressed to the point that even as an adult if someone told her that she did something which she did not do she will not 
defend herself because she'd always been accused falsely and she'd always been suppressed. So I feel like that environment of communication has to be cultivated primarily by the adult and encouraged um, and to encourage the children or the younger ones to communicate. Mm-hmm. Talk about uh, domestic abuse because that's episode one and two uh, outside of your intro and something that's also very prevalent in our society is Africans just saw today on Batatins one of Cameroon's leading media houses another lady losing her life to domestic abuse yes I just saw that I mean I, I was every time I see a story of domestic abuse it's like my heart just breaks my heart just breaks because this is another soul lost mm-hmm. you know and you know, I, I wouldn't even say only women because domestic abuse actually happens in men. You know, mm. about over 700,000 men actually go through domestic abuse, you know. Mm. And um, you, my heart just breaks for that because I feel like not only the immediate environment or the upbringing of that person contributes to to that situation. And when I say that person, actually I should say those people because the abuser and the victim, you know, mm-hmm. their upbringing definitely contributes to them being in that situation. You know, in terms of the abuser, of course, maybe he believes that women are supposed to be disciplined by beating or he probably saw, you know, his parents, you know, his mom being abused or maybe his dad being abused or something, or maybe he just did not have that guidance. He saw his friends or his friend's parents getting abused or, and then for the woman in that situation, maybe she saw her parents, her parents are probably still together. And she saw that, you know, Hey, it's okay. If a woman is disciplined that way, the man still loves you as long as he gives you this, or as long as he takes care of you. Or on the other hand, maybe the victim actually wants to leave, but they don't have another alternative, which, you know, brings light to poverty in Africa because a lot of women or a lot of victims, they stay in abusive relationships because um, of poverty. They don't, they cannot afford a life by themselves. Like they're so used to a specific lifestyle or actually they're just not even used to but they just cannot afford a life by themselves mm-hmm. so they, they tend to depend on the other victim which who takes advantage of them and their safety of course because i don't think any abuser plans on killing the victim right but then if you lay hands on someone expect the worst outcome so that's something that we as a community really have to have these conversations and we have to be supportive. Like in the episodes of my podcast about abuse, um, a few recommendations and action steps that I, um, I gave, I encouraged us to listen, you know, because the whole goal is if someone, if you are a safe space for someone, they will confide in you. But, you know, it's very common in our community for us to badmouth each other, for us to betray even our closest people you know mm-hmm. jealousy or just spite or something you know so um i feel like it's time that we become more welcoming to each other we become more understanding and tolerant of each other and non-judgmental we are so judgmental in the african community and that's what's killing us because a woman or man in a domestic abusive situation may want to seek help even from a family member or confident, but they just don't trust that person because they feel like they're going to be judged and stuff like that. So I feel like we need to be more understanding of what each other is going through. And 
I don't think it's even our place to give advice because sometimes advice can be biased or based on our perspective, but we can give them help or guidance on what, where to seek help or what to do in terms of like how, how to keep themselves safe, but not necessarily advising them on the dynamics of the relationship. Because as long as we're not part of that relationship, we will never understand what actually is going on in the relationship. Mm. Uh, you mentioned an uh, episode coming up on Wednesday here, you know, rape culture, another big, you know, <laughs> uh, topic and issue needing addressing in our community. What's, what's one thing you learned from the guest and one thing that you just learned that you can, you know, preview for, for you know, listeners uh, coming Wednesday? I learned so much. My goodness. Actually, the, the guest, she has a book. Okay. So her name is Mani Anabar and her book is um, Cactus in a Calabash. Like, if you want to cry... But learn though, you should, you know, get the book. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable. She's actually Cameroonian. I learned so many things. I mean, at the end of the next episode, which is in two weeks, um, I'm going to share a lot of the things that I learned. But a few things that I learned is parents have to be very vigilant about who they let their kids around and who they let around their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, that is extremely, extremely important because this girl was actually raped annually and vaginally for four years by the houseboy multiple times a day in the house, even when her parents and everyone was there. And she tried so many times to tell her parents, but the boy manipulated the parents who actually encouraged her to discipline and quotes her, but they didn't know that he was also disciplining her by raping her. And mm -hmm. four years later, that's when they discovered so imagine how her childhood was messed up. And he was not only sexually abusing her, he was torturing her and her siblings. So parents have to be very vigilant about who they let their kids around and who they let around your kids. And also parents have to watch and listen. Our African parents do not listen to the children. I mean, adults in general don't listen. And that comes back to communication. They have to create that safe space because once this girl was shut out, the very first time she never ever told her parents about this abuse again so as adults and as parents and as the elderly family members we have to encourage a safe space for the younger ones to communicate with us so, and that definitely requires us to be humble we have to break out that ego like i'm the older one and come down to their level and really understand them and listen to what they're saying and believe them a child will not just make up certain things that you know are weird or strange they come from somewhere you know so those are the basically the two main things that i have really learned and of course a bonus is therapy therapy is okay we have to start normalizing therapy in the african community we do not believe in therapy we believe in doing and taking care of everything by mm. ourselves you know we believe in manning up or womaning up but we should seek therapy therapy is very important and i will be talking about that as well in the upcoming episodes yeah therapy is not going to the the nearby you know ngumba house therapy is not therapy is not you know saying like doing the traditionals and every other thing that has not worked for yeah. centuries therapy is not doing any of those things therapy is going to professional seeking yeah, help and not even therapy therapy as well i want to make something very clear therapy is not going to your pastor mm -hmm. no your pastor is your spiritual guide, is your spiritual, um, yeah, guide, basically. A therapist, you have to go to a psychotherapist, like someone who is 
trained professionally. If your pastor is professionally trained in psychotherapy, then yes, or maybe family marriage therapy or whatever. But a lot of us as Africans, we, we consider our spiritual counselor as a therapist you know, for mental health issues, which is extremely rampant in our community. And I just wanted to really clarify that because going to your pastor for a mental health issue is definitely, you cannot cure mental health with prayers. I mean, prayers help you to bring you- And in night vigils and, yes. and sewing seeds of $2,000. And <laughs> you have to go, you have to go to a professional therapist. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, it's just the dynamics of the podcast is fresh. We want to give the audience, potential audience and, you know, the, the day one fans, you know, an inside look at a podcast. Yeah. Uh, do you plan on opening the door to outsiders who are strictly Africans as uh, far as guests are concerned? In the long run, actually, I will open the door to outsiders because I, I mean, the outsiders that I will open the door to obviously will be those that could either shed light on certain issues that you know Africans that are that are prominent in the African community so let's just say for example certain professionals that are not maybe common in the African community or accessible in the African community or at least certain people I mean I actually have a episode planned with you know for us to really connect with our African American brothers right and sisters you know so it's I mean it's definitely going to be for the most part for Africans but, and by us, obviously, but um, I definitely will open the doors to other ethnicities who will share their lights. And I, we, you know, as I did all of this, I've come to realize that our cultures and traditions in Africa are not that different from the Asian community. Oh yeah, facts. You know what I mean? Like we, we, we have like a lot of parallels. Like it's unbelievable. Like the whole thing about, you know, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a lawyer, you have to be an engineer or pharmacist, or, you know, the whole respect, you don't talk back to your elders, you don't, you know, all those doctrines are basically similar. So I, I really hope that this, this podcast, even though it states African, is basically addressing issues that are in every ethnic group, you know, and I hope that it helps the people out there as well. I have a couple of African-American friends who actually benefit a lot from the podcast. So, mm, yeah, definitely. How would you how would you describe your interview style? How would you describe how you approach conversations? Uh, I would say, though, I would say the preface that I, I feel like this 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 pod just from listening to the episodes out already in episodes to come especially the one from from wednesday it's like you can't you can't listen to this joint before you go to you know what I'm saying like to a happy you got you got to be in a <laughs> it's a heavy weighty topics yes they're very heavy um so i mean how i do it is before i, I mean of course i reach out to the guests and once they accept i give them you know and they, they i mean of course this guest i may they m must have you know like touched me in one way or the other for me to reach out to them or you know so i actually reach out to them and then once they accept i give them a list of questions that i would like them to answer so they can think about it because i really want a lot of substance you know um on these topics as well you know so mm -hmm. i reach out i mean we i i typically uh communicate with my guests maybe at least two times before the interview and we just discuss and you know break the ice and try to see how comfortable they are with my questions and if they want to switch a few things around and stuff like that so and then once we get to the interview you know of course i have the housekeeping 
you know, in the interview and then we start the recording and just, it, it just flows. It, it flows. Well, real quick, what is one thing that you've learned on the go that you didn't know while planning? Like, hey, I'm going to start living African podcast. What's one thing that you've just learned in this short time of launching that you're like, dang, I, I ain't prepared for that. <laughs> right. Um, let me see. We, what, one thing that we do differently from you is we we never share uh, the yeah, questions with the I guests. Think, yes. um, we just want it to be to be. And there's no right or wrong way to do it, and uh, we 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 just book guests. Um, we book guests. I, I think two months in advance. When we started, we were scrambling like, "Dang, we we got to tape on Saturday. We don't have yeah. a guest yet." But the team is augmented now. We have guests booked all the way to like you know June. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's one What's one thing that you've learned? You're like, "Dang, I ain't prepared for that." This is yeah. This is where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. So um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I wasn't I wasn't expecting to be impacted by the stories that I that mm-hmm. I to. You know, I mean, at one point I was like, dang, I mean, need therapy myself. <laughs> I mean, I go to therapy, but uh, I, I've spoken to a couple of people. Like, they've shared a couple of heavy stories with me, you know, and I'm like, woof, this is um, this is tough. <laughs> this is really tough, you know? Like, I, I never, I mean, I knew I was going to bring up discussions and talk about these issues, but I wasn't ready for how the issues will impact me because I am a, I'm an empath. You know, and so uh, yeah, that 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 really hit me. But of course, you know, with the struggles, the technical struggles with the podcast, I mean, I'm still learning. I consider myself a baby and a learner. And of course, I mean, I I will learn from you guys as well. And I hope you guys do same for me. I mean, I feel like we're collectively doing something to help our community, which is a very good thing. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to flip the script a little bit, and uh, this is a question that AK shout out to AK he's producing he's in the background right now. This is a question he would ask. What would you say to the people in our community who say, "Hey, listen, this is how we've been raised. This is our norms, our traditions. Uh, who want to hold fast to these ways of thinking, ways of doing things, and you know, just to address rape culture, to address the way we communicate, to address domestic abuse, to address everything else that is." For, for the worst shaping us to not be the best of us as Africans both in the continent and in the diaspora what do you say to those people who want to hold on to those things or who otherwise are just like listen I'm stuck yeah. in my ways yeah it's kind of ironic because I was having this discussion with my mom last night and I was just telling I mean I was just talking about their generation because that's kind of how their generation are right like they want to hold on to those old school ways but two things I want to say times are changing Times are changing. And the second thing I want to say is just have an open mind. If you don't have an open mind, you will not be able to keep up with the times because times are changing and changing really fast. So that's actually what I have mm-hmm. to say. Times are changing and they're changing really fast. Get with the program. Yeah, uh, you got to get advice. I mean, we don't have a choice. We don't have a, like, you know, with the social media age and everything, there's so much exposure. Like mm-hmm. even people back in Africa, even their children back in Africa have equal exposure as we do here. So, I mean, times are changing, get with the program and just keep an open mind and you'll be good. Uh, I advise for young, 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 you know, men and women, both in the continent and that's what right now, uh, you, you've dropped a lot of gems in our conversation, but just advice to them as they traverse this, you know, difficult mode, because we still, you know, we still have a mode uh, that we, we need to live by, you know, doctor, engineer, lawyer, you're a disgrace, you know what I mean, both in the continent 
and in the diaspora advice for them as they just look to, you know, take advantage of technology, take advantage of innovation and take advantage of everything that the world is giving us right now to just be the best versions of themselves mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Yes. Um, you know, I, before I give that advice, I just want to talk briefly about, um, you know, what basically will inspire my response and, you know, this is regarding this two stories that I know. I mean, there's more obviously, but like a few days ago, we had a Cameroonian boy who killed his mother, right? Mm -hmm. And like a couple of months back here in Houston, you had this Nigerian kid who killed the mother who, because she yelled at him to get a job, right? So um, I just want to talk to the upcoming generation that, you know, number one, be patient with yourself and be patient with your elders, you know, because these are people who live in a different time. These are people who have different doctrines. They grew up with a different foundation. And it's obvious that, I mean, for a majority of the elders that are here, you know, that move from Africa and are here, they're also trying to keep up with the time. I know I said, you know, you know, keep up with the program and times are changing, but of course we don't expect them to just be that fast and that quick in you know adapting to the changing times but then some children may not understand you know so i i feel like it's supposed to be a partnership with their elders as well like they especially at, a, at a, an age where they're already adults you know just be patient with you know with your parents be patient with the elders and be patient with yourself in that i mean because with the social media age there's a lot of comp competition there's a lot of comparison you always feel like you're not doing as much you're not where you were supposed to be when you look at your friend but just look at what the good things that you have and just try to be patient and trust the process i mean times are changing really fast but the process is slow you know, if you want to be successful, it cannot be successful. You cannot be successful in a second. Things mm. seem to change. And actually, things are not necessarily what they seem to be, especially on social media. So don't get carried away. Just be patient with yourself. Stay in your lane and be patient with your elders as well. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I like to say it's a marathon, not a sprint, especially with yeah. everything that we try to do. The yeah. sprint is saturated but a marathon isn't so yeah. uh, pace yourself and be patient I, I like it that's dope advice listen uh i really enjoyed this conversation it's much much more we can talk about but just wanted to get to know you new pod on the block it's called living african podcast hosted by uh i'm gonna butcher your name Anya. Uh, <laughs> from bad <laughs> i was about to say for you uh she's doing the thing she did her research she didn't just jump in the game you know what i'm saying she and she she's 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 landed and she is running heavy heavy topics it's right now where can people find it plug everything right well it's pretty much in every platform that you listen to podcasts we're still working on the youtube platform we're having a few issues but spotify listen that background right there that's that's your youtube right there <laughs> Oh, it is. Well, I guess this is sitting in my kitchen right now. <laughs> that is your YouTube. I'm like, yo, I have a YouTube channel. I'm like, that joint right there is the background. You, you don't oh, need. Goodness. Yeah, this. Gotta... Is, I like sitting to do my podcast. This is my kitchen actually, and that's like just below the stairs. So, well, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Are you married? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, kids or no kids? No kids yet. Uh, sorry, yo. I know because you know, at least I'm asking for the brothers. 
This is right. truly asking for a friend. We have <laughs> we have friends of the pod who always make sure I ask those questions. We have sisters or brothers, so I gotta yeah. get it out of the way so people not speculating or hitting me up in my DM. So sorry. <laughs> well, I'm taken, unfortunately. Fortunately, actually. Yes. <laughs> yes, but um, you can reach me. You can get you know reach me at uh, the website living at www.livingafricanpodcast.com, um, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts overcast you know like just every it's my podcast is worldwide actually. yeah yeah every type it in google podcast. living african it pops right up the website the landing page is beautiful um you did you did some amazing work appreciate you joining us and breaking everything down thank you so much i really appreciate you guys reaching out this is actually my first interview as a guest so yeah yeah and i apologize i apologize for the short the short notice usually we like to give people you know time in advance i, I hit you up saturday i was like you, you ready yeah. <laughs> well i appreciate, so appreciate that you know i really you know i i think you guys are doing a great job as well and mm-hmm. um i'd encourage everyone to you know actually you know listen to your podcast as well and hopefully we can partner in the future i mean I oh yeah for sure for sure yeah. uh one of, one of the questions we i didn't get to is uh you know i know you're an advocate for mental health and we as we are as well so you know post pandemic once everybody's vaccine or whatever the situation that we can partner up we uh every october we host a mental health um live show here in the dnvdc maryland virginia so maybe we can come down to houston help host one or you and bring you over and you help host one so we're definitely sticking yeah definitely hey listen if you enjoy what you heard, what you listened to, definitely review the show. Leave a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Leave a leave a comment. Let us know what you want us to ask Anoy, uh, or just reach out to her. Ask it directly yourself. Uh, review the show. Do screenshots. Send it to everybody in your networks. This is Stuck in Middle Podcast. If you want to write for us, hit us up on the website sitpodcast.com. You want to be a sponsor? Hit us up on the website. All that great stuff. Shout out to the whole team. Ma. Tutu, Charles, Achiri, Inez, AK in the background right now producing. I am your host, Reflex. And shout out especially to guests who advocated for this particular episode. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. We'll see you on the next one. Peace.